Being handicapped or disabled can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. With me in the passenger seat and managing the radio is Kale Sudhoff. Kale is the author and illustrator of the children's book, Danny and Kevin Conquer Camping, which makes me categorize him as a disruptor in the disability community. We'll get into why I think that. Uh, while he's not studying, fishing, running track, or golf, he's drawing. After perusing through the book, I was surprised to learn that Kale's still in high school. He's, he's just a senior. He's a young buck. So. <laughs> Hi, Kale. How are you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, so I know that you're in track. Has your has your competition season begun? Are you still in training? Uh, we just finished training a few weeks ago. The season's underway right now. Got about okay. seven more meets left, I think. And what event or events do you compete in? Uh, I do the four by eight hundred, which is two laps. Uh, the open eight hundred and the four by 400, which is just one lap. Have you guys uh, mastered the uh, technique of passing the baton or have you dropped one? Uh, we did drop one last year. I wasn't the one who dropped it, but somebody on my team did. But this year it's been good so far. That's gotta be the most tense moment. That's the thing that you guys have to practice the most on that, just that that handoff. It seems so simple, but oh my God, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read that you're also into sculpting. What are your favorite subjects? Uh, anything to do with art. I like to do animals. Uh, some of my best sculptures were a bulldog and a wolf, both of their heads. Okay. Uh, and yeah. I just you know, by really reading like, through this. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just really like making like intricate details. So like uh, all my sculpting stuff is like, just really detailed, really like textured and just fine art. So that's what I like to do. Okay. Now, obviously everything that I listed and just here, listen to you get into that because you're a detailed person. What are you doing? In, do you have any downtime? Oh, uh, not, uh, not really at the moment. I just actually finished my college credit plus classes this week. So I am going to have a lot more downtime really soon. So what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I take College Credit Plus, which is 15 weeks at a time per semester. Uh, so I don't go to actual high school at that time. I actually take online classes. So since those are done right now, then I only have art class and study hall at actual high school. Of course you have art class. I knew you'd be into that most definitely. Hey, I scanned through your book, uh, your first book, Danny the Duckhead South. Give us a quick synopsis or in the publishing industry, because I've, I've been out there uh, 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 querying agents and I've actually had a couple, but what's the elevator pitch? What, you know, if you were in an elevator with a potential agent or even more so uh, a publisher, what would be your quick pitch before you're, while you're riding from the first floor up to the seventh or eighth floor? You only have a little bit of time. So pitch me. 
Well, uh, Danny is a duck who's really good at flying. He's very proud of his flying. But one day, since he gets distracted, he smacks a tree. He falls to the ground, can't fly anymore. And he spends the rest of the book looking for a new way to get south since he can't fly anymore. Uh, winter's coming, so he has to figure out how to get there before the snow falls or else he's going to freeze all his tail feathers. Okay. How did you come up with that storyline? Uh, well, I was sitting on my porch one fall afternoon and I saw a V-shaped of ducks flying over my porch uh, while I was out drawing and just sort of idea popped in my head. So you chose to do a, a children's book and in there you use very bold colors. I think mean, folks need to get on there and see it. And uh, there will be a link to, uh, to uh, Kale's work um, on the Life's a Road Trip website. What moved you to uh, create an illustrated children's book? Um, my mom was actually a preschool teacher for my whole life, my whole childhood. Uh, I would always go up there if she was like uh, changing her room around or like rearranging things and I would read the books there. Uh, I really liked all the pictures and stuff like especially Ryan T. Higgins or any of those author illustrators. And uh, I had actually like never thought to write a children's book before, but this idea just seemed really good to me and I just decided to give it a try. I commend you for that. That's not easy to stick it out there. What uh, Now in children's books, I have no clue, but I did raise five kids, so I've read some children's book. They all seem to be about the same thickness or length. What do you think the uh, target number of pages is for an illustrator or an author on a, on a children's book? Um, I'd say about the average is like 36 if you're double paging it. So okay. yeah, just divide that by two. That's about how many pages with words on it that would be. That's a lot of illustration. Yeah, if it takes up between five and 10 minutes, maybe by then the kid's going to zonk off. Yeah. That's what parents are always hoping for. Um, between the illustrations and the writings, which one do you start with? Which Where do you come from? I mean, you must have an idea. You told us about where Danny the Duck came from. Boom, you had that. And then what do you do? Is it the story, the illustrations, or both? Uh, for most of my books, I actually write the whole thing, make sure it rhymes, just get everything fine-tuned before I ever even, like, think about drawing anything. Just for the fact that if I ever had to change any of the words or anything, that could also change the pictures, so that okay. I wouldn't have to go back in and change that also. Okay. Now, looking over this, is the, is the process... Um, I'm trying to still figure out how you get going on something. So you have an idea, like you said you did with, with Danny. And then do you sit down? And I guess the, the question would be, what's your medium that you use for when you're doing your drawings? Is it watercolors? Um, do you start with a simple sketching with a, uh, a, a pencil and do some drawings? Or do you end up starting and ending and using everything that's uh available to you on a on a computer uh well i start with just ordinary eight by ten sheets of paper 
I sketch out all my drawings on there with just pencil, and then I actually take a picture of those drawings with my iPad Pro, and I can transfer that onto a program called Procreate. That's where I can trace all those lines and okay. shade them in, color them. That's how I get such deep color, and that's a really awesome program to draw with. So if you're, again, staying with your first book, if you're doing this, do you uh, run into a uh, hit a wall with your thoughts and then you just walk away from it and come back and there's the the rest of the oh. story? Yeah, um, I actually like don't typically write all in like just a short amount of time. Uh, it may take like one to two weeks of just letting it go and then i'll just go about my day and then if an idea comes or just if i remember anything else then i'll just pull out my phone go into my notes app and then just jot down a note to write later do you ever wake up in the middle of the night with an aha moment and you've got to get that get that sucker out of your head yeah i actually have yeah yeah definitely so i've got a question for you be honest please have you submitted one of your books uh, for your art or English classes as an assignment, extra credit or something? Uh, not for any extra credit. Um, we did actually talk about it a lot in my government class last year with Mr. Watson. Uh, he's a really great teacher who just really showed that he supported me. Even at like, I only knew him for like two weeks and the guy was like beaming with pride just that his student cool. actually did this. So I used to teach social studies and history, and you're talking about bringing this into, uh, what is he teaching? Uh, government. Government. How do you bring in a children's book into government class? How did that stir up conversation? Where did that go in the class? Um, My friend Isaiah Glass actually just brought it up. He's a really great friend. He came to all my book signings and... Uh, he just really liked telling other people that his friend wrote a book. So that you were able to, I could understand it going into an economics class where you could be talking about the industry of uh, books, but to bring it up in the government, that's a stretch. So I, I like that teacher. He's able to get off on a tangent. Yeah. Okay. Wait do you get to college, man? And then you're going to be able to take certain professors and get them off on a tangent and they don't finish what they're talking about. And then you, it always delays the exam by a week. So sure. you'll find out more. Um, on that note, we're going to take a two second pause here in case anybody wants to drop an ad in. Okay. Now let's get into your latest work. It's called Danny and Kevin conquer camping really slides off the tongue. That's a good title. What's a synopsis or tell me that elevator pitch for that book. Well, it's springtime, and Danny is on his way to visit his friend Kevin Bacon at the farm, who is a pig. Hang uh, on, hang on. What's his name? Kevin uh, what? Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> okay. You slid that one in there. That's good. I'll bet any parent that sits down or while their children are trying to fall asleep, and the first time they read it, and they come across the name Kevin Bacon, it's going to wake the kid up because they're going to be laughing too much. That was good, man. I like that. So go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Well, he's on his way to visit his friend, Kevin Bacon, at the farm. Uh, his friend uh, is actually running after something he wants really bad. 
doesn't see a tractor coming and ends up actually losing his leg. And the rest of the story is Danny just trying to cheer his friend up, get his friend back to normal because he just can't seem to find a meaning in life without the leg that he lost. It's that what I, that I came across was that triggered, of course, me reaching out to you to, to get you on, on the podcast, because I think a person of your age to be able to tackle such an issue, I commend you for that. That shows you maturity, man. Um, so you were going to, we were talking about this before. Could you go ahead and read some of that book, please? Oh, sure. All right. One day, as the birds chirped and bees buzzed, everyone knew spring was here, and this was a certain duck's favorite time of the year. Danny the duck was on his way to visit his friend Kevin Bacon at the farm. He was caught by surprise when he heard something loud, like an alarm. Danny saw Kevin chasing Rusty Raccoon and shouting, Give me my corn! over a, the big tractor honking its horn. As Rusty ran with the stolen goods, something bad took place. Kevin! he exclaimed before a loud squeal ended the chase. Danny rushed Kevin to the vet, carrying him as fast as he could go. After days of nervous waiting, Mrs. Moose gave him some news he wished he didn't know. Danny couldn't believe it until Kevin entered the room with three legs instead of four. He looked so sad with a, as he walked with a wheel on each side, staring down at the floor. Danny tried to be there for Kevin while his life became different and new, but it didn't take long to notice some other things about Kevin had changed too. He didn't play or eat his corn. All he did was sit in the dirt. Danny knew he had to cheer him up or he would never stop feeling hurt. And the rest of the story leads into Danny just looking for new ways to get his old friend back. You are so mature. Um, here's the dedication. I. I fell in love with the dedication. Very simple, but it's pointed. To all the kids who face challenges in life, this is for you. Where'd that come from? I mean, a kid at your age to come up with something so meaningful and purposeful is just amazing. Where'd you come up with that? What made you do this? Um. Well, I, I've always seen kids excluded for just many different reasons in school just feeling lonely, just not really feeling like they belonged. And it's always those kids that I see the most driving and just the most perseverance. They're always the nicest kids. And I've just always been drawn to just trying to make them feel included. Well, I think you nailed it with this and going this route. Do you have any experience with amputees? Um, Do you know not, of any? Not with amputees personally, but uh, my publisher actually um, asked me to do a mission book, which is where we target a certain group of people who are sometimes overlooked, in this case, amputees. Uh, and we just try to bring attention to that group of people. And uh, with kids especially, I feel that if you see somebody uh, even in a book that looks like you or that went through something similar to you that just makes you feel not so alone that's why you're on this show and i appreciate that you did come on here 
Thank you. The main characters are Danny and Kevin. What made you choose those names? Just how they sounded or what? Um, I mean, we got the bacon part. We got yeah, that. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good um, Danny, uh, I did just for the fact of alliteration, which just means using the same letter as the duck. So okay. Danny the duck. Okay. Um, Kevin, I, I've seen the actor Kevin Bacon on a lot of movies. So <laughs> I just, I slipped that I in. I love it, man. Yeah. That, that's, um, some satire, um, tongue in cheek satire. That's really good. Now here's something direct to you. Have you received any negative feedback because you're introducing an amputee to young children? I mean, I'm talking about the forever hovering helicopter parents or the politically correct parents that, how dare you? I don't want my child to know about amputees. Have you had any kind of negative feedback? Um, not from parents per se, but um, I actually have talked to some some other kids at school uh, who just who have actually read my book. I do appreciate that. And uh, they just ask, well, they just pretty much uh, were asking why I made him lose the leg because they thought that was super sad. But uh, I just really wanted to show, yeah, show kids that everything, bad things do happen in life, but still we've got to go somewhere after those bad things happen. I appreciate that. It's not easy. And again, damn you mature. Thanks. Um, what do you want kids to take away from your books? This is, you know, both so far, and we'll be getting to the big question later, but so far you've, you've have two, what do you want the kids to take away from your books? Um, well, even if you're different, you should embrace it. Uh, your challenges are only going to make you stronger. Uh, if you stand out, embrace it, let the world look at you as a light, uh, let them see that light and know that, and let the other people know that they can overcome the challenges too. Well done, man. Well done. So what's next for you? I mean, you said you've been taking college courses and obviously you're going to graduate lickety split. If you're already taking college courses, it'll, uh, uh, work toward your degree. What do you want to do? Uh, I'm going to try and be an elementary school teacher. So I'm going to try and stick around, uh, here at least close to my hometown. Uh, I'm going to go to Wright State Lake campus to study there. It's only like it's like right down the street from my house so that's that's pretty nice that's, that's nice yeah. yeah okay now do you have well you said your mother's been in education so you know i mean i would i would assume that you've been picking up in a lot of the hardships that teachers have to go through yeah. one being lack of pay and the other yeah all of those things so you're gonna be ready for it um another question about your artwork because i've you know looked through your books and i i just love all the bold colors and hey, it is those are books that I would have read my kids when they were of that age, you know. But do you sell any of your artwork? Like uh, you know, you're mentioning sculptor sculptings or anything else that you've done? Um, 
Right now, well, during the school years, I typically just focus on art class and all those pieces will stay at school until the art show, which is actually coming up next week, I think. Uh, but I have actually uh, just sold a few things to people who've came to art shows, seen my work and just wanted to buy it from me there. Uh, but cool. other than that, with just like individual pieces, I haven't like sold a bunch per se. Well, it's just going to take time. Yeah. You know, I mean, it could be something you do on the side. Obviously it's, it's more than just a hobby to you. So mm -hmm. have you ever considered doing freelance illustration work? I mean, have you reached out to any of the, the big children's book companies and see if they're looking for illustrators? Uh, I actually did look into that, but uh, for right now, I actually like really like working with kids. Uh, I do really want to do that as a job. And I think kids would just really benefit from seeing somebody who was like just in their shoes not that long ago, writing mm -hmm. and illustrating books. I can have those books in my classroom and share that with them. Just show them that they can do this stuff too. Well, you've got a built-in audience. You never know. Hey, I mean, that's the way what life is, and you're going to be finding this. Uh, you you start in one direction, and then you find little avenues or alleys to go off to, and all of a sudden you've done a, done a totally different route, or at least you've broadened your horizons, and your road is not is no longer just a street; it's a super highway. So keep moving forward, and you know, trying to just do what you love. It sounds like you're already going to be. You already have plans to be doing that. So. Speaking of uh, going down highways and things, we are now going to uh, the sound of the VW Beetle means it's time to shift gears with the road trip roundup. Now, young guy, but I'm still going to ask you these questions. I know you can, you can fill them in. One's going to trip you up though. So five questions for you. Okay. All right. When you're road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners? Uh, local diners. Really? I, you know, we are up to, we've got to be at least 80% of the guests we've had on the show. I'll go in that route. And I will tell you, my wife, Sue and I have picked up on that. And we did a road trip uh, recently with her sister and husband. We drove from Wisconsin into Nashville. And then we drove from Nashville to Memphis and then Memphis up. And we didn't stop at any fast food mm -hmm. because I'm learning from the guests. So thank you very much. You're another one I'm learning from. What's your dream car for a road trip? It could be something that your your uh, family has had or has, or something that you're looking forward to maybe be able to do a road trips with in the future. Oh, my mom's Chevy Traverse is really nice. Got leather seats and stuff. It's pretty big. Okay. So. okay. All right. Now, this is where uh, you might wonder and ask me what the heck I'm talking about, but I'll ask him anyway. Last cassette or CD that played while you were on a road trip. Do you even know what those things are? <laughs> I know what a CD is. Okay. I don't think I've. You don't know what a cassette is? Oh, good. Okay. So obviously, no. You might ask your parents to see what if they know what a cassette is. Ask them that question. What was the last cassette that they played ever? You know, it could be in their car or whatever. Ask them because they, they'll probably, you, you'll be making them think back and they might start having a chuckle. So, Tell me what the last CD was that played on a road trip or let's, let's change this because you're a young guy. What was the last type what types of music do you like to 
go to uh, when you're on like Sirius or something, Sirius FM radio. So, um, I've always listened to country music when well for most of my childhood, but recently I've been listening to WBCL, which is a Christian channel, and okay. it's got some pretty great songs on it. Very cool. All right, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, I actually really don't drink pop, so kind of unbiased hey, on that one. You're like me. You called it pop. Yeah. We are of a few people that call it pop. So everybody out there that's laughing at us right now, tough luck, folks. You go ahead and call it soda. We will call it pop. Kale and I will still call it pop. Way to go, buddy. All right. So you take this last question, then we're done. Um, wherever you want to go. What's your favorite road trip memory? Um, sort of any vacation. Yeah, man, it's up to you. All right. Um, when I was 13, we went to the Bahamas. My grandparents took my whole family there. And it was really cool. Uh, we went to this resort called Atlantis and really cool water parks, water slides, uh, lots of cool fish in the ocean. Just awesome experience. That's great. With family, of course. I mean, you can't beat that. Anything, all of the guests have always yeah. responded, in at least in some sort of thread, with family. So that's most important. So, well, we're going to wrap it up, dude. Stay on so we can talk for a little bit. And I just want to say, challenge and chillax, everybody, and keep listening to Life's a Road Trip. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip.